Welcome to episode 96 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We're recording December the 13th, 2020. My name, for those of you that have forgotten, is Eric. I'm the host of the show, based in southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. As a first responder, I witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events and started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian. I live on Vancouver Island. I enjoyed my brief stint as the boss, but I guess that's over now. Uh, I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sports shooter, and my farm's designated handyman. I'm Alan. I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, and overall safety nerd. Uh, I'm Hughes from Nova Scotia. Some of you, some of you will remember me as not Eric from a few of the previous episodes. Uh, I've had to return to my old moniker. I'm a Canadian Armed Forces veteran, volunteer firefighter, and current platoon captain with um, local organization here in Nova Scotia. I'm also a volunteer search and rescue and uh, technician and a prepper. I've been preaching and living the prepper lifestyle to varying degrees for the last six years or so. All right, want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air? You can buy some swag. We have both the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and the tactical Velcro patch at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. It is a very tactical patch. It's tactical, cool, for sure. Mm-hmm. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or if it's just a topic you want us to cover. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, so we've got some uh, New World Ordered content for you in this episode. I miss doing the dad jokes. Uh, we're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we'll let you know what we've done for our preparedness since the last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic, the Great Reset. Let's move All into right. some news. All right, so first article I had was uh, from newswire.ca. And, uh, of course, we've been hearing on the media from multiple fronts that the hospitals are getting overwhelmed, and, oh, my goodness, you know they, they just can't keep up. Well... A hospital in, near Newmarket decided to lay off 97 nurses because of lack of work. <laughs> and uh, even though it's going to cost them about 176,000 hours of uh, direct patient care, they figure they can do without them because they're not that busy. So hmm. take well. that how you want. <laughs> well then. <laughs> anyway. isn't, there, isn't there a pandemic going on? I wonder yeah. if they overhired for the pandemic or if they... No, what I think it boils down to is because they've canceled all the elective surgeries, canceled cancer treatments, canceled oh, everything no. but dealing with COVID. I think there's a lot of departments that are literally sitting on their thumbs and other ones like they, they have certain hospitals are, are designated for COVID treatment. and But everybody else is sitting there because of the, the overwhelming and overreaching government mandates that didn't really think things through. They've got nothing to do. So they just laid them off, so it's, <laughs> which is just mind blowing. They, Two weeks know, they, before Christmas too. That's that's nice. That's pretty awesome. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Um, so the next one I had was from CBC uh, on the COVID train here. Um, so over the co- last six months, it turns out the government of Canada taking the serious uh, virus as serious as they normally do. They issued seventeen hundred quarantine exemptions to businessmen, but actually eighty five percent of them went to sports teams. <laughs> so, uh, which tells sports me that the is COVID- a big business. Yeah, COVID respects the jersey. So if you're wearing the jersey, you're okay. And uh, there you go. So you can just get an exemption when you travel and not have to quarantine anymore. Well then. Very much essential, right? Very much essential. Yeah. Very much so. And the number, I mean, the number of articles and, and news releases I saw on professional sports teams having to, you know, like forego games or like cancel training camps because of COVID, it was running through a team. That's unreal. That's... <laughs> Yeah. Again, I, I think decision making has been lost on the on a lot of levels on this this whole thing. But anyway, 
Speaking of decision-making, uh, Bonnie Henry. So that is the provincial health officer here. It's the equivalent of our, well, I don't even know what the one in uh, Ontario is. But anyway, uh, she's our, our, our head of the province for this cold COVID thing. She, on November 16th, she came out and said, listen, guys, uh, I'm not going to do a mandated, like, mask-wearing mandate because it's not going to do anything. And she actually said, masks don't actually prevent spread of COVID. And so I swear up and down, I won't introduce mandatory mask usage. Three days later, guess what she did? <laughs> Didn't mandate to wear masks. <laughs> mandated to wear masks throughout the province at any retail outlet. And she tells us that, yeah, she still believes that the masks don't work. However... The retailers wanted it, so she gave it to them because the retailers know better. Mm, right. That's so, how that works. Science schmience. Anyway, <laughs> that was all I had. It's like relying on the Facebook comment section. Well, exactly. Facebook said it was true, so it must be, yeah. right? Oh, but at the same time, like um, taking over Scotia, for example, we've had mandatory masks since July, July 1st, uh, or sorry, August 1st. Um, and this was introduced at a time when we had zero cases for like two weeks. So everyone was kind of baffled as to why they were introducing masks. And I think since then, I mean, yesterday there was a total of six reported cases. Now our population is only about a million people, which is significantly, significantly less in places like Ontario and BC, but it seems to be working. So science or not, I mean, it seems to work for the areas that have the mandatory masks to some extent but is it well, working or i mean i have i have a rock here that keeps away tigers yeah exactly i want that rock alan <laughs> i won't lie i <laughs> know <laughs> it's, it's true because like same thing like uh with bc here that we've had an explosion in cases with mandatory mask usage for the last month right so it has nothing to do with it and they they do admit that the masks won't and look at the side of the box the mass it says that these masks won't prevent the spread of covid so again uh i think it's bowing to public pressure more than anything else Yep, Ontario's in the same boat. Like we've we've had mandatory masks in place everywhere since what June, yeah. and we're still seeing huge spikes in cases, regardless of that fact. So it's not it's not it just doesn't work. Plain and simple. We, we've we've got the proof. We have the the statistics are there. Uh, unfortunately, it's one of those uh, it's one of those inarguable statements, right? If if masks don't work, then we need more, and if masks do work, then we need more. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no winning either way. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I had. I got a couple of news articles in here, um, just in regards to uh, investigations going on with the Biden family and uh, the CCP and the uh, potential for foreign influence. How shocking, weird uh, corruption in politics never happens, right? Well, I'm pretty sure our leader did did, uh, come out and say that he had a huge admiration for the basic dictatorship of China. Oh yeah, that happened. Yeah, <laughs> right on video. It sure did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's shocking that there's corruption in politics and uh, especially American politics. So uh, there you go. I'm I'm disappointed to say the least. <laughs> I'm just shocked. I didn't think that would happen. How how could such a thing be allowed? Why? Where's the outrage aside from like here? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess the uh, one article you had was the military exercises? Uh, uh, yes, yeah, and there's uh, one in regards to uh, Chinese spy has uh, infiltrated, uh, a.k.a. cozied up to a Democrat congressman. Um, so that's a congressman from California, along with other high-ranking officials uh, for years, 2012 to 2018, for, yeah. uh, you know, a little disappointing. Well, uh, Diane Feinstein had a driver that was a, a Chinese spy for 30 years, and they just released a 2 million long list of names of high-ranking CCP officials uh, throughout the world that are actually influencing people as we speak. So, 
should be an interesting read. I'm sure that somebody will go all full autiste on it, look up every name, but oh, potentially. <laughs> 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 Who could that be? Yeah. I can think of a couple people. <coughs> Ian. <coughs> Hughes, you got the news article? Um, I do. So uh, this one's fairly recent. Uh, as of about eight hours ago, I guess the first doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech uh, COVID-19 vaccines have arrived in Canada. Uh, don't quite know where they're going to be headed, um, but I do know that there's a dozen or so distribution centers across the country uh, where they'll be headed. Uh, so don't know where the first vaccines will actually land. But um, yeah, kind of interesting to see to, to, to see that and def definitely a pivotal moment in the uh, the fight against COVID-19 here in Canada, at least. And that's all I had. Um, I put in a, a uh, an article that's kind of near and dear to me. Um, this one's from the CBC, but there it's been reported on on literally everything. Uh, building under construction in London um, suffered a partial collapse on Friday, ended up killing two and injuring at least four. Um, not sure exactly how it happened. There's. A fair bit of speculation. I'm not going to uh, to elaborate on the speculation, um, but there's uh, it, it required the heavy urban search and rescue. So Canada's Task Force Three uh, to come in from Toronto to uh, to recover um, the last trapped people. Um, so this was a um, one of those urban uh, urban preparedness situations where um, had that been a taller building, had that been at a different stage of construction, had that collapsed in a different location, um, that was right on a, on a major artery in town and that could have um, essentially cut the west end of the city in half um, for two days. We wouldn't be able to, where you would, we'd have a, a nearly impossible time getting through. So um, it's, it's a situation that if, you know, if it had happened downtown, it would have, it could have absolutely crippled the city. Um, so it's one of the things that we prepare for is, you know, it may, it may not be my emergency directly, but I'm still, I'm still going to be affected by it. Yep. And so we uh, hope the best for everybody that was, uh, that everybody that was pulled up pulled out. And uh, hopefully there's, uh, hopefully there's more, that, there's more to come that, uh, that we find out what happened and we can prevent it from happening again. Yeah, that's all we can hope for now. Shall we uh, move on what we've done lately for preps? Yeah, so for myself, um, I finalized the security audit of my home network, uh, and I'm working on calling some of the herd as far as unused electronics to fund some upcoming projects. Um, otherwise, been busy with work uh, and firefighting, so that's all I managed to get done in the last week or so. All right, for uh, for you, those of you that didn't notice, I, I haven't been here in a couple of episodes. I think I'm at, what, four now? Yee. So lots uh, lots going on here. Uh, moved out of the house about a month ago now for renovations, so we're uh, completely redoing the house. We decided we're going to uh, hunker down here and stick it out for the foreseeable future, so it was time to, uh, to update some things and change some stuff around. So I've been, uh, I've been hiding, and where I've been hiding, there's been no internet. So it's been... Uh, it's been good and it's been bad. So it's been nice to be disconnected for a bit, but at the same time, it's nice to have uh, have connection here and there. But it is what it is. Uh, tried to get back for a couple of episodes, but uh, didn't quite work out. The uh, the one I tried to get back for, I ended up having to, uh, to leave because there was a power outage where we were staying. So I uh, had to get back to, to help out with that. And uh, then I did get back to work after being off on parental and walked into a week-long deployment. So that was... Uh, that was fun. 
Where again, I, I can't exactly podcast from work. They uh, they tend to frown upon that. So <laughs> well, I wasn't able to do that. <laughs> but with some of the downtime uh, and being disconnected, I was able to uh, to study quite significantly for the advanced uh, ham radio uh, certificate and successfully passed that exam. So uh, that was a lot of good information and uh, glad I've got that done and under the belt. Um, so now I can do all kinds of more fun stuff with communications, including pushing more power and there's nothing better than pushing more power. So, does that allow you to build your own radio and stuff too? Uh, yeah, so I can uh, I can design and make my own radio systems now instead of just having to make them out of pre-made kits. I can do my own if I want to get fancy with it, and I can also run a repeater if I want. So the uh, the local club is already uh, knocking at the door saying, "Hey, we need someone else to help maintain the repeater here in town." So uh, I might do that. I might not. Depends on how much time it's going to take. So if it's something I can do every once in a while. I might. Uh, take it on or if not I'll just offer some assistance here and there as I can and uh, besides that just lots of purging and organizing because uh, we are doing some day trips back to the house here and there and just cleaning stuff up and purging what we don't need and, and organizing what we can so that when we, we can move back in uh, we'll have a lot less junk and be a little bit more organized So, I'm, I'm amazed every time I move how much stuff yeah. we just we acquire and we don't even notice it because we live in it every day and it comes in a piece at a time Yep, it's wild, absolutely wild. And we're only renovating the upper floor right now. So everything from the upper floor has come down, but it's all just in piles everywhere. So we're just, as we go, picking a room at a time and just organizing it and setting it up. So it's going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be nice when it's done. Uh, we tried to live in our house when we were doing renos there in Ontario. And the worst part was when, you know, the kitchen goes offline and you got little kids. It's yep. like, yeah, it's like trying to work with one arm behind, tied behind your back. So it's we're, pretty we're getting We're getting into the kitchen stuff in the spring. So this is only phase one. Yeah, we're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So as for myself, uh, yeah, so we ended up uh, slaughtering the pig and the lamb that I had a uh, local guy grow for me. And... Uh, sent uh, most of the work, the cutting work, like the actual like cutting into chops and stuff, because I don't have a band, so I sent it off to a third party over in Port Alberni, just just across the other side of the island. And uh, so, anyways, I picked up the the pig and the lamb, so full freezers, just some time for the uh, wintertime lockdown, I guess. And then um, let's see here, I did some reloading, played with my new toy. I got a, a brand new like uh, precision powder dispensing scale to replace the one that broke last year. Uh, so that was good. Finally showed up. And let's see here. I helped a mag member uh, with some mutual aid. He needed a kitchen with granite countertops torn up and lifted and stuff. So there I go. Because, um, yeah, I know he'd do it for me. So why not, right? And let's see here. I went up to the Island Mentors place, learned how to change out uh, some brakes, like, uh, completely for the first time. Which, again, I'll have to thank him for his patience later on. But, yeah, it was uh, it was a learning experience for me. Um, lost three roosters on the, out of the flock. We only got two left now which uh, was just like this this random heart attack plague going across the fleet right now. So anyway, but, uh, so we'll have to replace those in the spring, I guess. Uh, did a range trip just to uh, keep uh, some competency going there, and last minute did a uh, feed run to fill up the last of the, uh, the feed crates, I guess. And that was pretty much it. Nice. I didn't know that the heart attack thing was, was something for chickens That's, uh, or roosters. Yeah, it's actually because most factory chickens die after, what, 30, 40 days? Like, I think it's down to 36 days. Um, they don't live long enough to heart, have heart attacks, right? And ours, because they're, they're heritage breeds, and, well, most of these guys were, like, three and four years old, right? Which is, like, decrepit and old for, for roosters at that point. We had one last, I think, five years, but that was, like, a record. Um, but generally, after about two or three years, they start to have congestive heart failure. Um, yeah. And 
yeah, they just, you could see it coming because they start having trouble uh, breathing and you can see they're getting sluggish and, and then the other chickens actually sense it and start picking on him and actually start like pecking at him to try and off him early. Uh, but Jeez. yeah, because they're, they're just ruthless. They are. So they, uh, they, they sense weakness and, and, and plunge just like a typical politician. Anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, yeah, so uh, I put him in a nice quiet place and, and kind of gave him some space to himself and yeah, he passed peacefully last night, the last one, so that was it. Yeah, that was it for me. I did some IT updates myself. Um, nowhere near as thorough as Hughes, but um, changed around my VPN, uh, moved some hardware around so that I have better better signals throughout the house. Um, been a busy couple of weeks at work and still on my uh, current training program, which has me doing now six workouts a week, and that's ridiculous. Sounds like uh, that's going to hurt. Oh, it does. It's it is it is uh, like part three of the constant pain in which I live. That's um, you know it doesn't leave much time for anything else. The good news is I don't get into a lot of trouble these days. Mm, I question that. <laughs> Less trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move into the main topic, shall we? All right. So, uh, has everybody done some pre-reading on the on the Great Reset? Am I going to do all the, the jibber jabber in here? Let's start from the beginning, because even if we yep. have the listeners, may have not. Okay. So, back in the good old days, Doctor Evil and the bad guy from Lethal Weapon Two had a baby, <laughs> <laughs> and his name was Klaus. No, anyways, this guy <laughs> this guy literally does look like the typical Bond villain. He's got the German accent, the bald head. You know, he's just missing the monocle and maybe a maniacal laugh, and he's pretty much got it down. Um, so anyways, this guy's been going on since the 70s. He is a PhD in economics, so I can't fault him for that, and I can't say he's uneducated. But um, I think he's taken his, uh, I don't know, experimental mindset to the extreme. And so he's put out a few books, uh, one about the Fourth Industrial Revolution, one about uh, the Great Reset. And, oh, I was just Alan there. Anyways, and then so he decided to start back in 1971, I think it was, the World Economic Forum. I don't think it was called that back then. He kind of renamed it over time. But he got himself wrapped up with the uh, UN and uh, started showing up at that Davos uh, meeting where all the rich monkey bucks show up. And because he is a highly educated man, he's, he's allowed to do some speaking. But the problem is, is that he tends to entertain, um, see, taking wealth from most people concentrating it to a few rich people and having everybody be equally poor because that should make things better. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that, that works. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to turn on your tinfoil for a second, he is a member of the Order of the Rising Sun, which if you actually look at it, uh, he looks like your typical baroness or baroness, baron from the 1800s. And he's got the big rising sun patch on his little... Uh, uh, Ban- uh, cummerbund? What do you th- call those things that go over the diagonally across your chest? I can't remember those things. Anyways. Oh, uh, sash. Yeah, thank you. Over his sash. and uh, Which, of course, Emperor Hido- Hirohito and a bunch of other big monkey mucks over time have all you know, had this thing. It was originally a Japanese, or it is a Japanese decoration, but originally it was only given to Japanese people then it started being given to people that were uh, um, productive members of, of the world society and then it became kind of a secret society thing. <laughs> and Anyways, and then before you know it, this guy's doing... Uh, podcast with Prince Charles um, talking about how the COVID-19 thing has come along at a great time because now that everybody's freaking out and ready to be told what to do next it's a good time to implement what he calls the Great Reset so um, I put a teaser video link in the show notes there and I don't know if you guys uh, watched that at all 
I have not. All right. So the teaser video is about three minutes long. Anyway, um, so he said basically in his book that he put out, what, last year, that somehow he knew this pandemic was coming. Um, he says, in case of a pandemic, this is what I want to implement. <laughs> and hmm. lo and behold, a pandemic came out. He is friends with Bill Gates. Completely unrelated fact. Um, oh, oh, okay. I'm going to get my tinfoil hat <laughs> right now. That's it. About- Guys, so, we need to stop letting Ian choose the topics here. They yeah. always get too far. They always get too far into the stratosphere. No, no, that's, this is good. This is all factual. I can't even say this is like a conspiracy. There, it's all like it's. He's actually selling his book on Amazon called "The Great Reset," as well as the Fourth Industrial Revolution. It, so it is ten ninety nine for paperback, by the way. I just looked that up. Yeah, so it's not like it's a. It's like a completely you know, subjective my opinion thing. This is like he put it in black and white. He's so actually got his com- whole webs. He's got so a whole website. Tin foil. Exactly, but it does not come with tinfoil. Ah. However, he's got uh, the World Economic Forum has its own website, which has like thousands of pages on it, and he goes through the whole thing. So in it, he calls for a new social contract, which uh, basically in the teaser video, some of his highlights are, you will own nothing and be happy about it. Hmm. <laughs> to have face of making a cooperate. <laughs> yeah, hmm. and you can just see it with the German accent too, right? He's like, you will own nothing and be happy about it. It's like... <laughs> Oh wow, that's really okay. I don't think I'd be happy with that. But have you okay. practiced that for a while? That was very well done. No, but my mother's German. Does that count? Ah, that works. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, no. So it's obviously he's leaning towards the more socialist approach to things. So uh, you know, socialism is the first step towards communism, and uh, yeah. So he's uh, bound and determined, much like I guess George Soros. To, uh, to make sure that the U.S. will not be the preeminent power in the future, because he doesn't like this world hegemony. He likes to have you know multiple players going back and forth, because it's easier to control that way. So he uh, he does not want the U.S. to be the preeminent power anymore. I'm uh, I'm reading on the the World Economic Forum agenda yeah. uh, currently. Um, it, it is very specifically calling for um, the countries of the world to coordinate their um, taxes, regulations, and fiscal policies, upgrade trade agreements, and create conditions for a stakeholder economy, which would um, essentially diminish public debt by downloading it to the individual and then tax that debt back to the government somehow. It doesn't, it, I, I, I'm not an economist, but it really sounds like they're just, it, it's a shell game. Um, well, it sounds like everybody will equally poor, right? Because I mean, yes, yeah, yes. that's just that's what he's going for. And I mean, yes, again, the, the guy is a a economics PhD, so he's not he's not messed around as far as his ways to implement it. I'm sure he's he's very comfortable with how he, he would go about doing it. Anyway, uh, moving along, he says, "Whatever you want, you will rent," under the banner of not owning anything. So, um, and he says, "Whatever you want that that you will rent will be delivered by drone," which. Oh does lead to some logistical I mean, the things that I really concerned. want to have to rent anyways, right? A, a car is essentially a long-term rental. Beer is essentially a very short-term rental. But... And yeah. Amazon's already testing drone deliveries in yeah, some places too. in the U.S. I, I can't... So. I, yeah, I can't <laughs> we're, imagine that we're almost there. Um, sound, or like, uh, what do you call it, uh, sustainable, as far as like del- drone delivery like to tuk 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 So... Right, but I, I think you're going to see things like drone deliveries within a certain radius really, of the warehouse, really right? Like that's going to, yep. 
Well, no, and the drones that are, I mean, obviously, like, and I was I was reading about it um, for Amazon. I mean, Amazon is a powerhouse. I mean, they're not going to do something that's not going to make them money. So they're obviously testing these things out, whether it's successful or not, we'll see. But not to go too deep down a rabbit's hole, but basically a lot of, I mean, I can order a toothbrush, and with Amazon Prime, you know, a $3 toothbrush is going to ship to me via U, via U, UPS, right? That's that's a huge expense in shipping for Amazon for something that's 3 bucks. I mean, they're, they're going to lose their shirt on shipping on that item alone. Um, so in that case, I mean, if you have a drone, you've already got the infrastructure, you don't have to pay the driver and all that kind of stuff. If there's a local warehouse here that has the toothbrush, it's a small enough item that a drone can do it. Um, it makes sense. It, it totally makes sense. So it's scary, but, um, and you know, I may shoot at a sky with my shotgun, but you know, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> Just throw a net over it and reprogram it to take to take control. Yeah, I'm pretty sure nobody would show up at my house within half an hour of their drone drone going missing, right? <laughs> oh no! The last known location is still my my my, my uh, driveway, but yeah, that's why you follow it down the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, somebody was asking for some links. I'm just throwing them in there at the same time. Um, yeah. So one of the other things he wants us to do is eat less meat, um, which I don't From like. My cold dead hands. Yeah, well, first of all, that you know, beyond meat, let's think about that for a second. Why are they pushing that so hard in the media, right? The vegans I've, don't even want that stuff. Come on, I've man. tried to like it. I, I just can't. I, I I've no. genuinely tried, and I'm on a, like my my current calorie program because I hate the word diet. My current calorie program is a lot of vegetables, and it's unpleasant. I can't imagine doing more of that. Yeah. yeah, I have no need to go beyond meat. I'm happy with the meat I have. Yeah, like Soylent Green, I know. Like, it, Didn't we learn our lesson from that? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's his, his one of his tenets there. Uh, now, if you need an organ, you won't have to wait, thanks to the wonderful socialized medicine, because we all know socialized medicine works perfectly in Canada. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Great. So, yeah, but he wants to implement that worldwide, because, I mean... As we've learned in Canada, socialized medicine doesn't necessarily mean good medicine, but it's socialized and free. Uh, but he wants to up up the game by giving you 3D printed organs. What could go wrong? <laughs> well, Alien. cyborgs. Uh, wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is that a thing? Yeah, I, I don't know. Hmm. I, again, there's there's a there's a, a great amount of um, great great advances in technology that make it plausible to possible but i don't necessarily know what practical i mean the, we can't we can't even get um you know joint transplants right yet or joint uh, replacements I, and i i know I, I know a personal case like somebody that I, I know well who ended up with a um a joint replaced and they used the wrong steel which ended up rusting in this person's body and had to be removed surgically and spent they spent four years in a hospital and will never walk again as a result yeah. And that's a solid piece of metal, not a functioning organ. I, I don't, I don't trust. I don't trust that they can get that right. Not well, at least not right away. If I we mean, can't sure. get that right now, how are we going to get this right in any kind of reasonable time? But if you if you do the research a little bit, I mean, they have three D printed some body parts, not necessarily organs like a heart. I don't believe um, somebody in the, the show notes or the uh, the comments can prove me wrong. But things like ears and whatnot have been three D printed. 
um, and and I don't know the process. I, I think they use um, pig skin or pig DNA or like something, but they are able to print those items and attach them to humans, and they seem to be working just fine. And the blood flow is going through there through them again. I mean, this is not like a liver or a kidney or you know some really complex organ that has to produce you know hormones and all that kind of stuff. But you know they're already doing some some pieces of the body like noses and ears and all that kind of stuff. So. Right, but that's a that's a solid that's a solid piece, and that's right. Really, but I really think different from a from a functional, oh, you know, a functional filter or anything. I, I agree, but I think it's it's heading in that direction. So oh sure, I mean, there's gonna, there's going to come a time when you can replace anything with a replicator. Like Star Trek, Star Trek didn't get it wrong; they just got the timeline a little bit off. Just uh, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> well, there's that uh, bicentennial man with Robin Williams back in the day, where he had uh, by the end of the movie he was actually like creating robotic organs that replaced human organs and get people to live a couple hundred years long, but I think we're a ways away from that too, so. I'm just going to put this comment from Patrick up here and see if it triggers anyone. Yeah, we want 3D printed ARs, not kidneys. Heck yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll so what, what, if, what, if, what if we get 3D printed kidneys and ARs? Yeah. Well, can we, have, can we have both? You don't even need to 3D print ARs. You can actually get molds and get liquid plastic to pour in them. You, you make the mold and then you harden it in the oven. And they have those. They've had those things for ten years in the states. Um, what's funny is my my neighbor runs a uh, a fairly large manufacturing shop here, um, and a, a lot of their stuff is um, they do a lot of machining for the aerospace industry, the marine industry, and all that kind of stuff. And these parts are very, very, very expensive. And they've had some customers that basically order the same parts from China, where they're 3D printed out of metal, and they were bringing them into the shop, and they were pay- putting them on like an MMC machine to measure the coordinates and all that kind of stuff. They're saying these things are. De- dead on but the aerospace industry says you can't put 3d printed metal parts in the planes yet um but his shop ordered a 3d uh printing metal machine from china for about 100 grand and he uses like a fine mesh powder and a high powered lay laser and all that kind of stuff and he's like it does really good work really fast really cheap but no industry wants to sign off on it yet no you know what i mean so you can put it in your home workshop and something like that but like uh, he's like, that's the way the industry is going. Instead of milling stuff out of you know solid built billet, you're going to be basically 3D print printing everything. And he's like, the guy I've got running the 3D printing machine is a 22 year old student, versus all the other CNC machines and all that kind of stuff are being run by guys that have you know 15, 20 years experience. So um, that's an interesting way things are going as well. Problems with the aerospace industry to get the certification is much like getting them to sign off on a part. Like it's uh, called technical service order. And to get a TSO on something like that is $100,000 per part. So they've already got a, a part that works, might cost more, right. but it's already certified. So why why go with a new part and spend the same amount of money to get the same part? So they right. just, it'll be a slow changeover, but it'll happen. I think point. you'll probably see industries like mining and all that kind of stuff where they, they have parts, you know, like the the pulleys and all that kind of stuff in, in heavy equipment that go bad all, all the time. Where like if, you know, if, if a runner or a bearing or pulley goes bad in a piece of mining equipment, you know, nobody's going to lose their lives essentially. It's just going to operations are going to grind a halt for an hour or so, right? So I think you're going to see that shift first, and then, you know, it might move into marine, then aerospace, you know, who knows. That's like somebody asked me the other day why there's still uh, ashtrays in the bathroom doors on airplanes when they haven't smoked, <laughs> smoked on airplanes since the 70s, right? Or 80s, maybe, I don't know. And uh, I said, well, if they could recertify a new door for about half a million bucks, and they just have a door without an ashtray, or they could just leave the dang ashtray and save half a million. Is that seriously why they won't get yeah. that because they have to recertify that part? 
you have to recertify the whole part. And of course, by the time you get lawyers involved and politicians involved and the time involved and the money involved, it's just, why? Why bother? So that's yeah. really good because I mean I've seen I wouldn't say the 787 but I've seen some fairly new triple sevens that had ashtrays in them. I was like, well, because some just... some airlines still allow it. Like you know I'm sure right. uh, Ariana Airlines in Kazakhstan still allow it or whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, who knows, right? Anyways, when I need to smoke, I just go in the bathroom anyway. So yeah, you just flush the toilet, <laughs> flow it, flush the toilet, blow into the, the toilet, so it sucks it right out the airplane. There you go. Right. There, you there go. we go. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you luck with that, by the way. Anyway, um, subscribe so, to Ian on Twitter for more tips, <laughs> for more for cool tips on how to stay away from the police and how yeah. to and, and how to put yourself on the no-fly list. Hear that here. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> okay, so the next uh, next Klaus plan: uh, mass migration, uh, and they want it out of national control. So he wants to control mass migration worldwide in order to sort even things out due to climate change. So he figures he wants to rearrange a billion people. Uh, and put them in countries without those countries' authorizations, just to, uh, you know, to make sure that, you know, due to climate change, everybody's living in a happy place. I'm sure that will go over very friendly, and everyone will be very cooperative. Well, he I... also said that we need to work harder at accepting massive numbers of new migrants in a short time. Hmm. I remember somebody saying, I forget I forget who I was listening to, I think it was a TED Talk somewhere, um, saying that the easier, the fastest way to solve the um the various crises in africa is with a u-haul you're in an area that has no that has very few natural resources move it makes sense um so i i kind of understand where he's coming from there of course i don't agree with it but i i kind of understand where it's coming from redistribute from places that have few natural resources to places that have greater natural resources rather than um Rather than trying to move resources to the people, you move the people to the resources. Yeah, yeah, it's usually called invasions. <laughs> that's what you know. Over the course of history, that's what's happened, right? It's always been a fight over resources. So yeah, one group will always like the Vikings, for example. You know, would go from one place where they didn't have as much resources in Scandinavia, and they'd go raid England because that's where all the, the wheat was, right? So that's just yeah. Anyway, moving along. Um, Higher carbon tax. So he figures we're not paying enough in carbon tax. I guess Justin Trudeau agreed. So <laughs> I was just uh, going to say. Shocking. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Perfect, he, he, perfect timing how all these things are just coming to light, right? Well, it's yeah. funny how yeah, I mentioned that. Eh? But yeah, so he says we must pay a higher carbon tax because we need to phase out gasoline completely. But of course, he is, seems to have forgotten. Because he's an economist. He, economist. He's not a factory worker. He doesn't realize how much stuff is made out of gas. but uh, And how it's transported by gas and so on and so on. Everything from solar fleets to kayaks to whatever, you know, transport trucks, all that stuff. So higher carbon tax is what he wants to the point where it's like unsustainable. It will force people away from gas vehicles. Are you suggesting that a higher tax is not going to fix the problem? Well, yeah. <laughs> but it, if it, I can just pay a tax to get rid of something, to get rid of a problem, why can't we just pay a COVID tax? Yeah. It or is, the, is that not how it works? It works for the environment, right? So, I mean, we've been paying carbon tax for years, so the environment's fixed, right? Right. Okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, if that wasn't all enough good news, um, he has a very loyal group of followers. They are called the Young Global Leaders, almost like a youth program. You know, you know who else had, a, had, had, a, had a lot of young leaders that were following? Young Adolf, leaders that were following Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do believe they. Were, yeah. There was a youth contingent to the Nazi Party. Um, call me crazy, but anyways. But the Young Global Leaders. Um, they are. Uh, I think 600 nodes of them. There's over 3,700 of them now. 
And uh, they do show up on Davos on a regular basis. And uh, interestingly enough, no surprise at all, in 2019, uh, Christia Freeland showed up to uh, do a speech because she's one of his uh, young global leaders. And you know, she, she did an interview with Soros, liked him too, and obviously uh, likes this guy. Much to my dismay, though, I also found that Andrew Shear was one of his young global leaders, which may explain his performance the last little while before he got kicked out. And more sadly, my internet crush, Michelle Rempel. Oh, never meet your heroes. What's that? Never meet your heroes. That's right. So, uh, yeah, it turns out if you actually start doing a little digging, which I don't even have that much time to do so, but I guess there's a lot of big names on his his young global leaders list. And if they're all on board with this, that kind of does terrify me a little bit, especially when they're quote unquote conservatives. So, anyway, that was that. One person does not agree with his plan is uh, Mr. O'Toole. Uh, which I was surprised. He's been kind of lackluster since he took over, but he did put out a little tweet saying, hey, this is totally uncool, and uh, I don't agree with uh, the plan of some of these people. Naturally, our Prime Minister does agree with it, and he did come out in a video and say it's time for a reset. He used the exact same words. A little YouTube link in there as well. So, yay. Yeah, I I mean... Something so go back a couple of episodes to uh, to when we were talking about uh, martial arts. Uh, something my jujitsu coach kind of drilled into me last week that really struck a chord was when your opponent wants you to go in a specific direction, you really don't want to go there because they're setting you up for something much 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 worse. This really seems like a, like the same thing. If if Trudeau wants us to go in one direction, we probably really don't want to go there. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, so I was very interested in the fact that uh, at least there's one politician standing up. I'm not saying he's perfect, because he did a couple other tweets le- recently that are less than ideal. But anyway, um, at least uh, Aaron O'Toole's not a fan of the, the Great Reset. But uh, moving along, Klaus decided also that it, it's the, I think about two years ago, he started talking about the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And of course, you know, first one was coal, second one was like machinery, and then it became the IT thing. Now he says because of uh, the automation... He wants to automate most of your jobs away. So that's why you're going to be sitting at home and own nothing and like it because you won't have a job anyway. Hmm. Just sounds awesome. But yeah. I, don't, I don't need a job if there's universal basic income. Right? That's right. And right. so that's why he said we need a universal basic income to offset the fact that most people won't have a job. And so I, 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 I understand the concept of universal basic income. And I understand the benefits. And if it's done right, I, even, I can even see why it, it would be cheaper and easier to administer than the various social programs we have. What I don't understand is if everyone's on, if everyone has a universal basic income, who's paying for the, for the, the money, like who's putting the money into the pot for said universal basic income? The Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, at this point, I mean, I, I, that's all I can figure. I mean, I mean, well, you can only automate so many jobs to, you know what I mean? Like there's, I mean, you can you can introduce automation to a lot of uh, a lot of sectors, which I agree with. But there's a lot of jobs that are not going to be able to be automated. Um, I mean, for one, policing. Oh wait, we had RoboCop. Um, you know, <laughs> that, that went so well. Uh, well, no, we well. got to get the Ed two hundred nine. Those things work awesome. Austin, the six million dollar man. All we all we need is like two and a half million of them, and we'll be fine. Yeah. See, when I think about universal basic income, I think of just uh, 
I don't know what the politically correct way to say it, just a bunch of mooches that are sitting around collecting a paycheck when a lot of us are still going to have to work to fund that pot of money that they have to draw from, right? Like there's, there's no free lunch. I don't, I don't care what way you want to string it. There's no free lunch and universal basic income. I think it's just a nice way of them saying they're going to scrap the tax book, which is like, you know, a thousand pages as far as, as what we, we have and just give everyone some basic income that they can have. And then everyone else can still work on top of that. Well, that's the problem with, with, with socialism in general. Any socialist plan, it sounds fantastic on paper that everybody should be happy and wonderful, but the problem is the minute you have more people like riding the cart than people pulling it, it's going to eventually fail because the people that are pulling it are like, why am I pulling the cart when I can just ride it and get stuff for free? And before I know it, everybody's riding the cart and nobody's pulling it. And that's just the failure the failure of the uh, the whole theory. Yeah. Anyway. So hear, hear me out, just just for the sake of expanding on this concept a little bit. Yep. We've got we've got things like you know we've got uh, we've got you know behemoths like Amazon that can deliver just about all of our consumer goods. So we spend more time, or we spend we put more effort into buying things from Amazon. We spend more spend more money on Amazon than anything else, and we do away with a lot of the smaller retailers. Amazon is automating a lot of their warehousing systems as, as it is. I mean, that's, that's not news. Mm -hmm. So if the production is largely automated, the packaging is largely automated, the shipping is largely automated, and you can centralize a lot of that, you know, you can, you can theoretically robot pack a skid, robot truck it onto a train car, robot truck it off a train car to another warehouse, robot pick it, and pack it onto a truck, so you're you're really reducing the the like the the person handling things down to like two people from I click on this thing and want to buy it to it shows up at, it shows up at my door and it's mostly it's mostly the delivery guy that takes it from the warehouse and distributes it to my to my front door. So. If we expand, if we expand that into other into other sectors, I mean, there's going to come a time when we when we need very few jobs comparative to what we did, you know, 50 years ago, 10 years ago, five years from now, 10 years from now. So all we need is an event that will quash the small businesses and get Amazon to have record profits. Yep. Wait, oh, a, wait minute. a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Costco can still operate, but I can't. Buy, but I can't go and have lunch with my uh, lunch at, at my friend's restaurant. How convenient this thing came along, and it all worked out. Yep. Yeah. But you've already seen a shift of those. Um, you know the types of I wouldn't call them menial jobs, but you know you see self checkouts. That was the beginning. That was the beginning of it for a lot of places, right? Like the self-ordering at McDonald's and stuff like that. It's just a matter of time before a lot of these tasks, businesses are able to invest enough cash to make so to make it so that these tasks are automated while yep. still maintaining the level of quality that people were doing these tasks at, right? And I think, Alan, what you mentioned as far as, you know, like, uh, you know, the machines that can 
uh, pack pallets like automated and all that kind of stuff. Th- that all exists now. It's just how much money do you want to invest in your warehouse? Because if you think about it, um, Amazon, to buy an empty building and to put stuff in it and to get people to manually pick it, that's not that expensive. But then if you're introducing these robots that are, you know, could be a quarter million dollars a piece, yeah, it's a large initial upfront investment. Um, and then you, you probably still need people to maintain those robots. But that's where those jobs, I think, you're not, you're not necessarily going to lose all jobs to automation but some jobs are going to shift from you know being the people that pick the stuff to put in the car to being the people that maintain the machines or right. you know, preventive maintenance so i think you're going to well, we've, shift, got, we've shift. got one yeah. we've got one person we've got we, right now for the sake of round numbers we've got 50 people in a, in a warehouse picking orders right two people or three people are going to be able to maintain 50 order pickers yeah, 100%. So we're going to lose a lot of jobs, but we're going to yeah. have jobs that are going to shift. But also, you, ha- you have to think that, um, you know, if you're an order picker at Amazon, um, not not to put anybody down or anything like, like that, but you don't need a university degree to do that, right? If you're no, somebody... You university degree get higher, not to do right, that. Right. <laughs> if you're somebody maintaining, uh, you know, million and, you know, tens of millions of dollars worth of machinery, you probably need an engineering degree, either in, you know, electronics or mechanical engineering or something of the sorts to maintain that equipment. So you're going to see a shift as far as that goes. But yeah, we're still going to lose a lot, a lot of jobs, just like when it came to, to grow grocery stores now. I mean, the local grocery store that I have here, they have eight self-checkouts in the area that used to occupy two regular checkouts. And those are busier than the regular checkouts, which allowed them to basically shed staff, right? Um, and you're going to continue to see that that shift um, within the, the retail space because it's just for big companies like Loblaws here in Canada or Sobeys, it's a lot cheaper to have that upfront investments of these um, automated tellers or, I mean, I'm sorry, these self-checkouts than it is to continue to pay um, like uh, cashiers, right? So, Absolutely. Um, and so it, it begs the question, right? Where do those where do those workers go? Because I mean, we can take we can take the the economic portion of we can take the economic portion of this discussion right out of the right out of the the equation for right now. As a as a people, most people, and there are exceptions, of course, but I'd say most people are happiest and most satisfied when they're a productive member of society. Not me. No. I mean, there's like there's like Ian and you that aren't, but most of us are not psychos and prefer to be part. Of, you know, prefer to be She's probably a psycho. I've yes, been called worse today. Oh, just keep going. Uh, Actually, Alan uh, being quite friendly. Yeah, <laughs> that's the nicest thing I've called you today, Ian. Oh, come on now. <laughs> um, but those like. We we as a as as a as a people, like it's in our nature to be productive. So, what are we what are we going to do? What are we going to do otherwise? Now, hold on. You, you say we as a people. I think you're talking about the four people in this group. But I can I can tell you, I know a lot of people that are just as happy sitting on their butts and making the bare minimum to survive. And and there's a lot of people out there. Um, right. I mean, that, but those pe- those people aren't going to change, right? That that's nothing's going right. to change. Right? They're not. They're not going to. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Right. And and there's and there's that segment of society, and, and that's. I mean, frankly, that's anecdotal, right? There's there's those there's for any argument there are there's anecdotal evidence that it's not going to work or that they're we're going to see this whole thing happen somewhere, right? So yes, there are people that are that are just happy skating by on the bare minimum, getting the bare minimum out of life. There always have been, there always will be. 
Hughes again being an example because <laughs> he's because he's not he's not like the, the most active person on this panel. He's <laughs> got more he's got more extra players that are than his day job, and has kids, and still manages to come on the come on the the show and be on time for the most part. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I guess, yeah, on time. Yeah, thirty seconds before we 30 go. Thirty seconds, like 30, 45 seconds, right? So, so there are the, there there are those people that are that are not going to want to be any level of productive. But my, I would say it's fair to say that most of us do, the majority, yeah. right? So the job, and we're not talking about we all get paid the same regardless of what we do. I think we're talking about the jobs simply don't exist. There's nothing for us to do. Because of thanks to automation, right? When we're talking about the commun, you know, communism of the fifties and sixties, you know, the under under Russian, you know, under under Soviet rule, everybody still had a job to do, right? You could still you still had to go pick up the you know pick up the shovel and, and dig coal and pick up the you know go farm the turnips and whatever, right? There was still a lot of manual labor to be done, and it didn't matter how hard you worked or how little you worked, you still got paid the same. We're talking about a totally different set of circumstances where. There's no work to go do anymore. And I think that's where we're going to run into problems. That's where we're going to run into people who are just bored out of their trees and looking for anything to do to be productive because that's when most of us are happiest. And see, in Nova Scotia, all those people go to Alberta. That's where all the jobs are. But, you know, Ontario probably doesn't have that problem. So. Oh yeah, but you also see people go where the jobs are, and using yeah. that example from Nova Scotia to Alberta, we have or we had um, a lot of people that work in the offshore industry, whether that be um, you know offshore oil here in Nova Scotia or uh, Newfoundland or even Alberta. People go where the jobs are, um, and you know Nova Scotia has fairly average unemployment rate compared to the rest of Canada. But we definitely don't have the natural resources that we have across the rest of Canada. If you don't count lobster, um, so people will go where the jobs are. Right? Um, they're not. They're not just going to stay here when you know the jobless rate keeps climbing and climbing and climbing. So, billion people, billion people migrating. Yeah. Yep. So on that note, uh, now that we've hit rock bottom, well, not quite, but we're heading towards rock bottom economically with uh, massive debt levels and everything else and, you know, small businesses shut down, big businesses taking over. And so now uh, his new plan is he wants to build back better. So uh, it's funny how Mr. Klaus there, since he started this little slogan last year, uh, how many politicians have either borrowed or been told maybe to use the same expression? Um mm. Joe Biden and his campaign uh, had Build Back Better. That was his main main spiel, right? Our current Prime Minister has done the same. He's Build Back Better in many speeches. Uh, Boris Johnson in the UK. Uh, I just found another one, the PM of Pakistan, just all of a sudden started using the same expression as well. So it's almost like it's coordinated or something. I you know I don't want to put the tinfoil too. Well, I mean, there, it, but, but it, it's also it's also kind of the buzz the buzzword of this part of the pandemic. I mean, the first um, the first what. Three, three to three months, right? So, kind of February, March, April of uh, of this year of 2020. Every person in the world, any, any person with a microphone in front of them, um, sorry, any politician with a microphone in front of them was was using the term "flatten the curve." Oh, now Every it's bend, the, one, bend yeah. the curve now. Now it's bend the bend curve. The curve. Yeah. Now it's build back better, right? Okay, we we tried to flatten the curve, we lost. Now what do we do? Yeah. So. 
and that's what I was thinking too. It's probably just like it's a catchy phrase. Let's use it, and it sounds yeah, hip and cool. Absolutely. Well, and it's and it's easy, right? Because it doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah. Right, and and, and it's so. Um, it's so subjective and it's so open to interpretation that it's almost impossible for somebody to be upset by it. Oh, you don't want us to be better than what we were? Well, everybody wants us to be better than what we were, but we some some of us have rather different views of what that means, of what better means. So, build back better is just a really inoffensive way of saying we lost we lost this battle, and now we got to do something different. Because I, I think like everybody that. recognizes that. I like this comment in the uh, the live chat here from Mailman NB. Says that build back better is good when it comes to Lego. Absolutely. <laughs> or build totally back agree. over and over again if you're OCD. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that comment. Yep. So when it comes to Trudeau here in Canada, at least, has he made um, has he given any thoughts as to what the Great Reset's going to look like? Is he touting things like universal basic income or China's, like- China's, China's basic dictatorship? Yeah, he's he's talked about universal income before. Yes, yeah, so many times actually. I don't have the links right in front of it. He's definitely mentioned UBI more than once. Absolutely. And, uh, yep. Yeah, and anyway. and carbon tax and adding. Yeah, he's he's gone through he's gone through this entire agenda several times in his speeches. Well, and he did also promise. I mean, a politician broke their promise. Shocker. But uh, he did promise back in the last election that he wasn't going to raise the carbon tax, and now he just, oh, a five-fold increase? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's a slight increase there, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, yeah, see, he's, he's mentioned just about everything on this on this list, and I'd be willing to bet if you get a little um, imaginative with your interpretation every politician can be linked to saying things that are similar to this. I'd be willing to bet some, there's someone out there that's screaming at us right now mentally that, um, sorry, in their heads they're screaming at us that um, Trump said the exact same thing. We've got to build back better. We've got to do better. We've got to do better, right? I'm, there's somebody out there that's saying that because they found this one line where he said something similar and they're drawing a conclusion for it. Yeah, well, yeah guaranteed. Well, they might actually be screaming out loud. His election slogan was "I'm not Joe" or something like that, wasn't it? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I sniff fewer people than he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fewer, not none. But yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah. I mean, it's actually, I, of course, somebody's asking me why on my text message here, asking me why we're actually talking about this tonight. Well, we can't always tell you like instruction videos. We got to talk about tinfoil stuff now and then, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, come on, so. it's, it's a prep. Well, and I mean, it, yeah. it, you know, from a, from a preparedness perspective. Right, what's your what's your plan if your job disappears? Yeah, I mean, uh, my my job my job my job. I've been really really lucky this year. I've been extremely fortunate that my job got busier because health and safety in a pandemic is something that's really important. Apparently, who knew? Um, But my job got busier this year than it than it was last year. My job will. It's rather difficult to automate what I do. Despite my best efforts, that's what you think. Yeah. Not impossible. Right? Well, I look forward to the day where I can sit in my kitchen counter, sip my coffee in my house coat, maybe fly three or four airplanes at once, and then when the when the internet connection breaks, it's really not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> Might be my passengers' problems. But what, yeah. uh, what what movie was that? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, where they had all those fighters and they were just like the, the fighters were all remote piloted and they were all in this one big room and it was like a big video game. Yeah, they were all mad they were getting shot down. They were all mad that they were getting shot down, but nobody was actually getting hurt. 
Right. That's, and I mean, that's, that's, that's one, you know, that's one direction it's going to go. But I mean, with the exception of literally continuous can't like, camera coverage, like CCTV coverage on every spot of every construction project that I work on or that I represent, like somebody has to go and actually walk the building and walk the site and make sure that the plan is being followed. And as long as there are people doing that work, which, you know, that's, that's where we end up. That's where even without people doing that work, without people doing that work, you would need more oversight because there's nobody making critic. There's no, nobody making critical decisions about, you know, ground conditions, right? We, we take a soil sample over here and we come up with one type of soil and then the machine moves over here and we find another type of soil entirely. And then we have to change our, um, change our perspective of what we're doing. Like, I'm not saying it's impossible to, automate all of that but it's going to be difficult and it's going to take a long time it's probably not going to be in my lifetime anyways but what's from a preparedness perspective what's your backup plan right what are you going to do if you can't all of a sudden go earn a living and forewarned is forearmed if you know what they're planning on doing then i guess you can kind of you know develop a plan around it right like you said Ellen. so yep so to 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 that random texter of, of Ian, Ian, you shouldn't be looking at your phone while we're on the air, by the way. Well, so um, you can't see me right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's be, it's because every, as much information that we have about the state of the world gives the best opportunity to be prepared for what may come. That's why. Good That's all I got. Yep. That and well, tinfoil hats. Tinfoil hats, you know. Sometimes, sometimes it's really fun to just talk about the craziness of the world. Plus, if you ever watch a video of this guy, it is entertaining because, like, you couldn't have got the more caricature of a bad guy from a Bond movie without actually like hiring an actor to do it. Like, this guy just he ticks all the boxes. Oh yeah, no, he's got the he's got the bald and the conservative look, and he's got the German accent. And um, I really, really, really want John McClane to throw him off a building all of a sudden. works uh, yeah i mean it's christmas time we're due for a new day tis the season <laughs> uh terry in the live chat's got a good point too he says this is an excellent topic uh it's something that should be on every prepper's mind like it or not uh this is the direction we're headed the evidence is clear yeah i mean we're getting we're getting further and further away from individual responsibility yeah. and Eventually, we're going to end up with a with a with a, a group of people in in charge of the right places that say, "We know better than you." Yep. I mean, we used to call that Big Brother, and now we call that politicians. Justin, yeah. Yeah. True Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> that's. Uh... Oh, Bane. Uh, that's a really great question, Bane. Does he have a white cat? Um, if not, we're going to have to make that happen. We, we could just. Buy him one. I we can just buy him one. You know what? We don't even have to. We just find a picture of him and just Photoshop, Photoshop. it. In. Yep. Photoshop. If, if any of our listeners or or people in our uh, in our in our live chat, if anybody's any good with Photoshop, um, do that, and we'll give it. We'll I don't know. We'll give you a shout out on the next episode or something. Um, I think that would be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. That's a great idea. Just Photoshop him holding a cat. That would be great. What was that movie? Um, Robert De Niro was in it, where they faked an entire war. Like wag the dog, wag the dog. Yeah, let's just let's just do that. We'll just turn him into a supervillain without uh, without you know, and, and just start uh, start posting it, and and he won't uh, he won't have the opportunity to do anything different. 
Just hey, anything I, about it. I changed my avatar. That's what he looks like for the uh, the people watching right now. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, didn't didn't isn't there a picture of him with a like a pitchfork in front of a farmhouse somewhere? You know, he does look American Gothic, doesn't he? It really yeah. does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. That, uh, like you said, if you look at that little star on his, uh, his chest there, you'll find that on many, many people, interestingly enough. Yeah. yeah. Look at that. Anyway. I picked a heck of an episode to come back to. Well, <laughs> we missed you and we got bored, so <laughs> this is what happens. Things go off the rails when you leave for a while, so. Yeah. Eric, <laughs> you should have brought the tinfoil hat with me. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, but you can't find it because your house is torn apart. Exactly. That's the problem. More organizing <laughs> and purging. Tomorrow I'm finding the tinfoil and making hats. That's it. Well, that's pretty much about all I had since you guys didn't do anything. So. Wow. <laughs> there we go. Well, I mean, up until about half an hour ago, I wasn't going to be on here. I wasn't going to be on at all. By the way, weird. rural internet sucks. Yeah, it does. All right, podcast challenge time. I was going to say, shall we move into the podcast challenge? All right, so do some digging. Enjoy the rabbit hole um, with this great reset. There's actually lots to read on it and watch videos and whatever you, you want. It's just interesting to see what, what's going on in the minds of the, I guess, the movers and shakers of the economic world. And uh, you have to ask yourself, though, are we a sovereign nation or not as Canada? Because, I mean, are, you know, if somebody else is going to dictate who we can take in as refugees or what kind of economic policy we're going to adopt, it's going to raise some interesting questions in the future. So maybe get a bit of foreknowledge on it to see if you want to complain to your MP or not. To, yeah. enter, to enter this contest, please write your answer in 500 words or less. <laughs> close a self-addressed stamped envelope and address it to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, 26 Sussex Drive, Ottawa. 24. Whatever. 26. <laughs> <laughs> That's where his mail goes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the that's secret Illuminati address. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, like the, it's like a real emergency number. Yeah, oh, it's boy. like 912. Oh, <laughs> jeez. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move into upcoming events. All right, so well, we're still BC. on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> before we get kicked off again. Uh, yeah, BC Sportsman Show, March fifth to seventh, twenty twenty one, at bcsportsmanshow.ca. That's in Abbotsford, BC, and it's so far still a go. Awesome. Fingers crossed, it can run. Who wants to take the calendar? I'll do that. Um, Go visit shop.firearmsrights.ca slash collections, etc., etc. Link is in the show notes. 2021 Gunny Girl calendar now for sale. It's a calendar. It has pictures. It's also a fundraiser for um, women to help fund women's shooting sports programs. And there's all kinds of stuff you can win from that calendar. It's a great thing to have. Go buy a calendar. They do monthly draws, correct? Yeah, uh, every month they do a draw, and a lot of them are, are guns. Uh, Adriel from the Hunting Gear guy actually won two guns one year. <laughs> nice. Perfect. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. So, yeah, there is a little registration number on the back of the calendar. You phone it, or you, you actually uh, register online, and then they do draws once a month, and, yeah, who knows what you can win. Uh, don't forget to register your calendar. Can't yeah. win if you don't. Nope. All right, let's move into some shout-outs. Uh, Eric, you got anybody? I do not. Right. I've got the uh, the island mentor once again uh, was teaching me uh, well he has the, the hoist to, to lift up the car and teach me how to use uh, do the brakes and stuff so really appreciate his time and he has to keep in mind that I'm here for my looks not for my knowledge so he'll just have to like deal with my ineptitude so he's also that's a, that's a a your camera's not on yeah that's right I got a face for radio you know that <laughs> so alright so I just wanted to say uh, give him a thanks once again for his time so 
I haven't interacted with anybody this week, so. All right. We'll move into uh, email and iTunes reviews. So we've got uh, a few iTunes reviews here that I'll read out. So we've got one uh, titled Must Listen. Um, I already agree with it. It says, uh, great information. Absolutely love the show and look forward to it every week. So uh, appreciate that review. It's another five stars. Fantastic. Uh, the next one is also a five-star review. Uh, it says, uh, entitled, Now I Know. And uh, Lord Geekin, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, says, I never really knew I was a prepper until I watched Doomsday Preppers and asked myself if this is how people, this is really how people prepare. Looked up Preppers and found your podcast. Still working through all the episodes, but so far it has normalized me and given me the sense and the know-how to be a sensible and normal prepper. I live in Northern Ontario, so a lot of your content relates directly to my lifestyle. Keep up the great work, guys. Well, we appreciate that. And uh, whatever lifestyle that you live, we encourage you. Yes, and if you, uh, is there anything you want us to cover, you got to let us know. Cause yeah, absolutely. Shoot us an email. We are Feedback clearly desperate for ideas. <laughs> We're running out of ideas, and we need your help. Yes, the, the topic uh, list is growing thin yet again. And last time we uh, <laughs> we mentioned that, we got a whole bunch of ideas. So yep. we'd love to see some more come in. So the next one here is another five-star review from Blue2013A. Uh, and it reads, this is an excellent show. I like the format of telling us what you have down rather than telling us what to do, except Ian. Uh, he, always, he always makes me question my life choices. I can't keep up. Listen, it's the same. Um, seriously, makes me wonder if he does everything in his list or his family does it all while he's away working. No, Great he show. actually only works like 14 <laughs> hours a month and spends the rest of his time on his farm. <laughs> Uh, great show. I'd like to hear more stories of product comparisons and decisions made or uh, or minds changed. Shame on you for letting Andrew get Glenn Tate on his shows. Kudos for hijacking his shows. Best of luck. Maybe a locksmith episode. I think Alan could probably help us out with that one. Uh, where to start picking padlocks. Carry on. I think you know, we, we've actually, actually, we did. did. I think yeah, that was actually did. huge. I think that was your first episode was, was lock picking. So if you go back in the library, if you go back in the library, it was a long way back. Um, it's there. It's certainly worth revisiting. Um, certainly worth doing again, and we can uh, maybe expand on that and talk about uh, talk about you know doors and locks in a, in a broader sense. Um, Actually, I, I still sit on my on... sofa at night picking padlocks. Except now I've moved on to disc detainer padlocks because I got the right tools. So we can always do an update on that one. Yeah, it's fancy. I was thinking it actually might be on the old channel, the Island Retreat. So uh, just take a look at the Island Retreat on, Ju- on oh, YouTube. Oh, might and- be. Yeah, we're going uh, back that far for lockpicking. Wow. Yeah. yeah oh, I, yeah. It was early. Because that was the first 27 episodes we did on my old channel there, right? Wow. So, yeah. Audio should all be under the same podcast, but uh, yep. video would, would be under Island Island Retreat. So, to answer your question, Blue, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Great idea. We're on board with this. <laughs> yeah. So, it's uh, basically uh, my family does uh, some of it. I do a lot of it. and But we work together as a team. And... Um, yeah, I mean, we just don't waste time. We don't uh, we don't do a lot of the normal things that people do. We don't go out to eat a lot. We don't, you know, we don't. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a very social guy, believe it or not. So, I'm shocked <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. So, wait a minute. Wait I a mean, minute. the prepper not social. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, I do have a lot of time, uh, especially since COVID hit, to get a lot of things done off my to do list. I mean, trust me, it wasn't always that way. When I first started the podcast, I was on a fast track to burnout. So. Yeah, I've just been lucky the last uh, six months to get a lot of stuff done, and right now things are slow. So yeah, it's not uh, it's not through any massive talent. It's just uh, slow work. 
Well, and Ian's also just really good at document documenting what he does. Like, I'm sure if I if I spent the, if I put the the effort into my documentation that Ian does, I'd have a much longer list every week. But I don't have animals, so that cuts off a lot of it. I don't have a lot of property, which also takes out a lot of it. Um, and I just, you know, it just becomes part of your daily routine rather than something new that you think about specifically. So. Um, yeah, it's 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 really not as overwhelming as it sounds. Ian just loves to talk about it more than we do. Well, I'm offsec uh, be damned, I guess, right? Like, <laughs> my, my buddy's like, "Are you going to tell him everything you do?" I'm like, "No, I don't tell him everything I do." And I, you know, I I don't I I don't share some of the stuff I don't feel is appropriate to share, uh, not just for offsec reasons, but for personal reasons or like uh, you know protect my family, whatever. Um, it's just yeah, I think I as I think of it, I just write it down because I have Google Notes on my or Google Docs on my phone. I just write it down while I think of it because. If I don't, I just yeah, I'll just be like I did stuff. So <laughs> did yeah. some stuff, some things, did those yeah. things, the things, and the stuff. Talks but, about OPSEC, but it uses Google Docs. Well, <laughs> but the Google Docs is only for stuff like this. I would never put anything like, critical on Google Docs. But <laughs> refer anyways, back to our IT security yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. It's like, treasure map on Google Docs. Yeah, <clears throat> um, yeah. No, uh, as far as Glen Tate goes, surprise, surprise. Uh, listen to Prepping 2.0 next Saturday, where you will find uh, at least two of us from the show here and Andrew from his show uh, showing up on that one. So far, that's the plan. It could subject to change, but we should be on Glen Tate's show momentarily. Yep. Good times. And uh, I think that's pretty much all we had from from Blue. That was good. Uh, good email for sure. I've got uh, one from Willie Darren. It says, uh, "Great episode. Enjoying a couple while doing OT at work here in Kamloops. Uh, honey and allergies. Yep, I'm an ardent supporter of that. So he did state uh, we talked about it with the beekeeping episode that if you have some local unpasteurized honey, it might build up a resistance to local." Um, hay fever and, and flower allergies so um one of the local guys he was talking with stated as a minimum to eat local and pasteurized honey as the bees were in your local fields meadows and etc he hasn't had a miserable spring pollen season in years so he says hmm, okay yeah. i'm back to work and learn about saran wrap and the end of the world okay then peace out thanks <laughs> that was, thanks that was a there. short episode that was um yeah i apologize for that one guys i, I dropped the ball there that was my idea and then i had to duck out <laughs> i i'm surprised we made it to what 34 minutes talking about saran wrap yeah, but you know yep. what? It's it, sometimes that's a challenge, right? We I didn't think we'd get an hour and ten out of talking about like some evil genius. We should but, have thrown Ziploc bags into the Saren Rap episode. We should have done that. Yeah. Now somebody's gonna request an episode on Ziploc bags, but that's oh, yeah. no. <laughs> Ziploc bags is going on the list. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. We're not going to talk about Ziploc bags now. We're going to talk about it later. I'll bring uh, episode number 96 of uh, the Canadian uh, Prepper podcast to an end. Eric, I think that's the best segue you've ever made. I know, pretty good, huh? Not bad. This is what happens when I disappear for a month. <laughs> so please help us out. Submit a review. It helps other people find us. We record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click on the notifications tab. That, that gives you alerts of when we're going live. I can also be reached at hfxprepper at gmail.com, and I have my own YouTube channel. Just search for hfxprepper. Any videos recently? No. Just <laughs> move on. Just keep going. And see, I, I get Irish typically, typically, that's Ian's comment, and that's how he makes me reconsider everything I do in my life. But thanks, Eric. Thanks, thanks for showing. Yeah. 
You're welcome. You can do an episode on horses, I suppose. <laughs> my my outro is missing from the show notes because I was late to the party. Uh, but if you want to reach me, you can find me, uh, Alan, that's with one L, at prepperpodcast.ca. All right. Uh, you can reach Ian directly by emailing me at thewesternretreat at gmail.com. And you can also find me at Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube Monday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, there you can find us discussing why government waste in society makes you wish for an actual global reset. So uh, please check out uh, Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat while you're buying some prepper gear. You can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So uh, thanks for joining us this evening. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning. <laughs>